Welcome to the Simply Living for Him podcast. I'm Karen DeBuse from Simply Living for Him. Thank you for joining us for another episode of this podcast. On this podcast, I talk about all things simple, whether it's life out here in our little hobby farm, how I keep it simple in my homeschool, or you'll always just hear a lot about Jesus. Because I truly do believe the remedy for clutter and chaos in our world is Jesus. The more we desire Him, the less we naturally desire the things of this world, and the easier it is to live more simply. Today, we have a special guest on the podcast. I'm super excited to introduce you, if you don't know him already, to Israel Wayne. Our conversation is going to be about the uh, raising the next generation in this kind of chaotic culture. Israel is a father of 11 children. He has been homeschooling uh, for two decades, I guess. He, is, he was homeschooled himself, and he has been around to see the culture kind of shift and change, whether it's in homeschooling or just the Christian culture. And I'm super excited because he has such an encouraging message. It is such an optimistic message in the midst of sometimes what we think are dark times. You will want to listen through and listen into this conversation. Conversation. I was super encouraged, and I know you will be too. Before we start, I want to thank my podcast sponsor, as always, Apologia. Apologia is an award-winning homeschool curriculum provider. You can go to apologia.com, check out all of the curriculum that they have for K through 12. They have science, they have math, they have language arts, they have constitutional literacy. They have just an amazing amount of inf- um, amazing amount of curriculum, and you can also stock up and save right now. Now, go check them out at Apologia.com. All right. Well, I am so excited today on the podcast to have a special guest. And this guest is, you're going to just love everything he says because I have just been looking over his books and I am super excited to introduce to you today, Israel Wayne from Family Renewal. Israel is the father of 11 children. He is an author, a speaker, um, in full-time ministry for years, and someone who has really been involved in the homeschool culture and the homeschool movement, but also, you know, in all these years, just seeing the Christian culture changing. And I wanted to have him on today to really discuss some of his books, some of his experience with raising 11 children and homeschooling and all of those things. But really, I want to encourage you guys out there today um, about what I always do here at Simple Living for Him is to point you guys to Jesus. You know, the remedy for clutter and chaos in our world is Jesus. We look at the culture and we're like, how can we fix it? What can we do? What are the things we can do? Really, the remedy for this culture is Jesus. And so I wanted to um, talk about those things today with Israel. So Israel, thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you, Karen. It's a blessing to be on your show. Why don't you tell my audience a little bit about who you are and what you do, and let's just get to know uh, your ministry and your family, and just tell us about yourself. All right. Well, I guess I'll back up and take a running start at it. Um, My mother was one of the pioneer founders of the homeschooling movement back in the late 1970s, 
Uh, she began homeschooling my older sister and myself in 1978. Wow. Uh, I was homeschooled um, basically entirely during an era in which homeschooling was against the law, at least in the states in which I lived. Uh, I graduated from homeschooling in 1991, and my mom started a national publishing company that included a national homeschool magazine, which she founded in 1988. And then in 1993, I began working as marketing director for her publishing company and worked there for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then in 2013, I started family renewal with my wife mm-hmm. and my older sister, Sony, and went full-time into just writing books and traveling and speaking. I had written books before that. I had spoken at conferences uh, since 1995, but it just gave me more time to be able to balance um, my, my work-life balance, you know, with my family mm. to take me on the road. We just got back from a 30-day road trip mm-hmm. where we were uh, completely away from home uh, with 10 of our 11 children wow. on this road trip and my sister and my wife and just... Uh, had a great time being able to speak at conferences and churches around the United States. And so I I grew up in Christian publishing. I grew up in the leadership side of the homeschooling movement, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of seeing the inner workings of both of those worlds. And that, you know, that kind of shaped my perspective on a whole lot of different things. Right. Uh, But I met my wife back uh, and we were married in January of of 99. Mm -hmm. So we've been married 24 years. Um, Our oldest child is 22. Mm -hmm. Our youngest is about 16 months. We have six girls and five boys. We have homeschooled all of our children from birth. My wife was also homeschooled. Uh, Mm -hmm. Her mother uh, began homeschooling her in 1983 and was uh, a founder of the Arizona State Homeschool Association, one of the founders there. Okay. So yeah, we both kind of come from not just homeschooling circles, but um, the leadership world. Um, mm. And you know, so for us, when we got married, that was a, a foregone conclusion that we would teach our children at home, and have been have been doing that. But really, the last um, nine years since 1993 has just been a great opportunity for me to get into print a lot of things that I've been wanting to say for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have books that I've published with um, New Leaf Press and Master Books, their sister companies, mm-hmm. and have a Bible doctrine curriculum that's going to be coming out this fall from them. For I'm super excited about that. <laughs> and so looking forward to that. Yeah. Awesome. So you have really seen a lot over these past many years. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about um, with you is, you know, how homeschooling is so a lot of my audience is not necessarily homeschoolers, but I know that they listen in because they like to have a peek into the homeschool world. Or we just talk about, you know, um, how that's just a piece of how we raise our children and, um, you know, raising our children to know and love the Lord. Like I, I, t- I tell everybody this and I tell my kids all the time, the most important thing that I am going to teach you in my home, whether you're homeschooled or not, the most important thing I will teach you is to know the Lord, to hear his voice and to follow it for yourself. And, you know, that to me is so important um, that we teach them their, you know, to have their own relationship with the Lord. And I think, and I think you touched about this in your, in your book, um, raising them up and in the beginning of the book and the introduction, you know, what you have seen since the, um, you know, decades ago in uh, raising up children and what changed and what shifted. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like what you've seen in just raising uh, children 
um, in this Christian, you know, um, environment and in this kind of upside down world right now and what you've seen over the years change and why so many children uh, grow up to, you know, walk away from the faith. Sure. There's a lot there. Um, you know? <laughs> one thing is, you, know, you go back to the 1960s and you had a cultural revolution. It was called the hippie movement. Right. And these are people who did not have a good relationship with their parents. And they rebelled not only against their parents, but against all the institutions of their day. And they really pushed back against society. And some of these people got saved during a pretty special time where God's spirit was moving in some phenomenal ways across the United States called the Jesus movement. And a number of Christian parents, uh, or sorry, a lot of, of these um, hippies became Christians and then became parents. And they didn't have a template really mm. for how to disciple their own children because they weren't raised in Christian homes. They didn't have a Christian background themselves, but they had a, a genuine relationship right. with mm -hmm. Jesus. Right. Uh, many of them saved out of, you know, pretty, pretty bad backgrounds, a lot of drug abuse and mm -hmm. sexual revolution and all that kind of thing. Right. And so they wanted something different for their children. Well, a lot of the teaching that came out in the 1980s and 90s that they were latching on to tended to be very moralistic. It was mm. very rules based. Right. It was sort of like, you know, here's the 101 biblical principles for teaching your children and you just follow all these rules and you're guaranteed predictable outcomes. Right. And so a lot of the families sort of pendulum swung, I think, from the extremes of their upbringing uh, and, and maybe a, a very liberal kind of uh, a teenage and college years experience to a hyper conservative approach, fundamentalist approach to raising their children. Mm-hmm. And their children got a lot of rules and do's and don'ts, but they didn't necessarily get grounded in their own faith. They weren't really taught Christian apologetics to know what made their beliefs true and the opposite of their beliefs false. Mm. They were, uh, in many cases, uh, taught a kind of performance-based Christianity that, that right. really didn't even emphasize, at least any, in any substantive way, the gospel. Right. Uh, it was really just moralism. And so that didn't work real well. We had a huge fallout of a mm -hmm. lot of those um, descendants, these children of the, the Jesus movement culture. And so I think today, you know, what we've seen is uh, within a lot of conservative circles, we've seen a backlash against the hyper conservative, hyper fundamentalist um, upbringing that a lot of young people experienced in the 80s and 90s. And, uh, and, and they're pushing back away from that and saying, I don't want that for my life. I don't want that for my children. But they're sort of floundering because they know what they don't want, but they don't necessarily right. know what they do want. Right. And so even though some of them, I, I still identify as Christians, they're having a difficult time knowing how to raise their children because we, we tend to, again, just pendulum swing from one extreme to another. And so right. there tends to be this desire on the part of a lot of parents to say, well, I don't, I don't want any rules in my household, I just want grace. Mm -hmm. And so there's, I think if anything, maybe now an imbalance in the other direction where right. we have a lot of emphasis within Christian publishing and, and Christian podcasting on grace-based parenting, right. uh, which I'm all for. Right. But I think we need to find that. We need to find what does that mean? 
Right. And a, a lot of it means like that we're not going to discipline our children. We're not going to really have structure. We're not going to have boundaries. We're just going to kind of, you know, sort of be, right. be hippie parents in right, a way right, right. and hope it all works out well. And and these extremes, when you're in one ditch or the other, tend to not work well for our children. Right. So how do we find that balance? How do we stop that pendulum from swinging back and forth? You know, I can relate to, I never thought about it, but I can relate to the the hippies, I guess, because <laughs> that was, I wasn't brought up as a Christian and I um, became a Christian after going through, you know, pretty rough times and hitting rock bottom, so to speak. And my life was completely transformed, not by a list of rules, not by, you know, somebody telling me these are the things you have to do. But I literally saw the work of the spirit transform my life because there is absolutely no way that I went from that point to who I am now without God's intervention. So I see that transformation. And so, you know, I can kind of understand that that real deep relationship with the Lord, because I've seen it. Like nobody gave me a list and said, these are the things you have to do to be a Christian. And then you'll, you'll be on the right path. And I feel like a lot of times these days, that's where people are at. Sometimes they're like, well, cause I know what happened to me early on in my uh, homeschooling journey. I thought like, well, I have to do everything the way that all these people are doing it. I have to, you know, do those things and, you know, look a certain way, act a certain way. And and yes, you do those things after you are transformed. You know, it's that outpouring. It's that fruit that you, you are um, walking in. But it was, you know, I was getting it backwards where I wanted that performance based from my kids. Like you have to look like the good homeschoolers. You have to do all the things that all the other homeschoolers are doing and all the other Christians are doing. And I started to get a little bit, you know, in my own life, that pendulum swinging. And so, you know, I made a lot of mistakes trying to uh, instill in my kids that performance base in the early years. And I think a lot of parents get caught up in making decisions out of fear. And I've had to actually apologize to my own daughter and say, you know, there were, because I saw what happened in my life before Christ, I didn't want that to happen to you. So I gave you a list of rules and I put on, you know, strict things you had to do because of my own fear instead of focusing on God has to work in them and transform them, you know? And so praise the Lord, you know, over the years we have um, really instilled in them their own walk with the Lord and, you know, pointing them to Jesus and not just performance based. And so it's, you know, I can kind of relate to some of that, what you said, but it's like, I feel like there's this all or nothing sometimes, whether it's in the homeschooling culture or Christian culture, or, you know, just parenting these days where it's like, we're either all rules all the time, or like you said, it's kind of like, well, it's all grace. So how do we find that balance? I say it's going to the word of God and nourishing your soul for yourself as a mom, like you, like disciples will raise disciples. You have to model what a real relationship looks like to your children. Um, It is too easy to just make them behave a certain way for outward appearance. And it's also easy to go the other way, that pendulum swinging. So my answer would be, you know, point them to Jesus. And I'm sure (laughs) yours is too. But what do you say to that? Like keeping that balance where we're really helping our kids to navigate this culture because this culture is getting crazier and crazier um, and have this real true relationship with the Lord and this balance where we're not just seeing a pendulum swing. I would certainly agree with everything you said. I will say something that probably will um, surprise some people. But I think one thing that we have to do if we want this parenting experience to go well is we have to be willing to forgive our own parents. Mm. 
I think a big part of successfully parenting is to be able to look back at our parents and realize that for most of us, now obviously mm -hmm. it's possible to grow up with just terrible abuse and dysfunction. I mm -hmm. get that. And some people have experienced that. And so that's a, a unique mm -hmm. circumstance that has to be kind of dealt with in its own category. Mm -hmm. But for, for most people, um, they had fairly normal parents who didn't do everything right, but right. did the best they knew. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's probably the most common, the most dominant experience mm. for, for, for people. But it's very easy for us as adults to recognize the mistakes and the fallacies of our parents' approach and to judge them very harshly for that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think sometimes what we have to do is we have to not think about what our parents did but to ask ourselves why our parents did what they did. Right. And Absolutely. I think we would find in almost every situation, if we had normal, average um, American parents, that those parents tried to do what was best for us. Right. And we can go, yeah, but they didn't, right? They failed. Right. They messed up. Well, of course they did. Right. But I think they, they wanted to give us the best opportunities. They wanted mm -hmm. to raise us well. They wanted to not be too strict or they wanted to, you know, not have us get into trouble. So they were too strict. Right. Uh, and whether they were too loose or too tight, mm -hmm. they were doing it for good reasons or for good motives. So I think a lot of parents end up doing the wrong things for the right reasons. Right. Right. They end up being really well-intentioned mm -hmm. uh, and maybe execute the, uh, the, the application poorly. Right. And so I think that, and you know, and the Bible speaks to this where Jesus talks about with the harshness that we judge other people, mm. that same measure of harshness is going to be applied back to us. Mm, right. And so when we think about our children, I know one of the things that I want desperately is I want my children to be merciful to me and my mm -hmm. shortcomings and mistakes. And I make plenty of them. Hmm. Uh, and all parents do. I mean, there are no perfect parents. There's nobody right. that does it right. There's nobody Absolutely. that gets it right, calls it right all the time. We all mess up. Mm -hmm. But I think if we want our children to be able to show kindness and mercy to us in our older years, mm -hmm. one thing we have to be willing to do is to let go of bitterness and unforgiveness as it relates to our parents and the mistakes that they made and mm -hmm. to be willing to, as much as possible, look at not what they did, but why they did what they did and, and right. give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, give them the benefit that even though they may have been severely misguided, that they were trying to do right. the right things. And then I think carrying that over into our relationship with our children, we try to communicate that to them and say, look, uh, we don't know what we're doing here, right? <laughs> I say that I've said that to my daughter. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was I was just learning. I've said that now that she's an adult. You know, <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, we we have some ideas, we have some theories, we have a, a working hypothesis, and sometimes we're right, sometimes we're dead wrong. And so, I, I think again, if we can kind of carry that over to our children and say. Um, you know, we don't, we're not claiming to know everything right. infinitely and omnisciently. We're just trying to do the best we know. Right. Uh, and, and here's why, here's our rationale. Here's right. why we're doing what we're doing. Maybe we're wrong, but for now, this is what we see and this is where we're at. Um, I, I think humility just goes a yeah. long way 
in the parenting process mm-hmm. in helping our children hopefully to be merciful to us if they've seen us be merciful to our parents and they've seen us um, humble ourselves when we've messed up and go right. back to them and say hey we, we didn't get it all right I think those are those are big things and I, I know a big part of what you do is um, talking about the importance of, of modeling what mm-hmm. we teach mm-hmm. and I think uh, modeling humility is is huge because who does God give grace to Mm-hmm. Right, he opposes right. the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Right. So, if we want to talk about grace-based parenting, well, the way that we attract God's grace to our parents' parenting paradigm is through humility. Yeah, that's such a good point. And you know, I think this also relates to, you know, like you said, a lot of parents make wrong decisions, but based on right intentions. And I think because there's so many voices and there's so much noise and a lot of parenting now takes place on the internet you know we're looking what everybody else is doing and reading and seeing photos and all that and because there's so many voices they drown out god's voice and that's what happened to me because when i started homeschooling i had, i knew nothing about homeschooling i was so naive i was like god's telling me to do this i'm going to do it and the first year was great And then I got the internet and started seeing all these other (laughs) things. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I took my eyes off of the childlike faith that I had in God, that this is what he was calling me to do. And I started seeing what everybody else was doing. And I quickly started to drown. And that's a little bit where I made those fear-based decisions and, and started to think more about what everybody else was doing than just that simple act of faith, what the Lord was leading me to do. And so thankfully he turned that around for me, but you know, it was a little bit of wrestling for a little bit of time. And I think that's what happens to parents now is there are so many voices that it's hard for them to really hear his voice above all the noise of this world. And this world is very noisy. So that's why I'm always encouraging families and moms to be in the word for yourselves, to study the Bible, to have that relationship with the Lord, because that's how you navigate this world. And then we pass that down to our children. So how would you say, like, how have you seen, um, you know, in raising 11 children, how have you seen the changes over the past decade or two? And have you seen that where there is just so many voices and so much noise that it's hard for moms to hear his voice? And how would you advise moms to like, you know, tune out all of that? Because if we're not listening to his voice first, we're just following everybody else who doesn't know what they're doing, you know? So what would you say to that? Well, I kind of have two thoughts simultaneously. The first one is from what uh, Solomon taught us in the, the wisdom books where he says that there's nothing new under mm-hmm. the sun. Mm-hmm. It has been, will be again. Everything cycles. And so mm-hmm. in one sense, there's no, no real new dynamics um, mm-hmm. in the culture. There's no new dynamics in parenting. It's human It just looks different. And we, we all tend to you know do the same things over and over and over. Mm-hmm. I will say though, that within American culture, looking within recent the recent past of 400 years of our American history, as well as just our lifetimes, there are a couple of things that feel very new and that I think are new paradigms that are different than what previous cultures have faced. Uh, One of which, of course, is the invention of the internet and social Mm -hmm. media. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, in one sense, there just has never been 
something like that in the right. history of humanity. And right. it is completely revolutionizing and redefining everything about our culture. Mm -hmm. It's changing relationships. It's changing the way that we purchase goods. It's changing our economy. Everything is being right. changed because of that. Uh, I saw a documentary a while back from History Channel where they had the top 100 inventions of all time that changed the world. Mm. And number one invention, according to history.com, was um, the smartphone. Mm, they just said definitely. nothing has ever changed the world as much as the smartphone. And, and all that's within my lifetime. Uh, I was born in 75. And so. So was I. <laughs> yeah. So a great year. Yes. <laughs> um, but basically, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have social media. We didn't have smartphones. Uh, these are things that are new. Right. And so they're, they're brand new challenges for parents to try to figure out how to navigate that. Um, certainly, even technology just within the last hundred years has revolutionized things. And so that's a big challenge. Also, while you could go back to ancient cultures and find cultures that were far more decadent than America is right, right. now. And I know mm -hmm. it's hard to believe, right. but you actually can. I mean, you read right. through some of the ancient cultures and, and they were way more decadent even than our, our culture is because we right. still have a lot of Christian restraint within America. Thank God right. for that. Right, right. Uh, but the sexual revolution and and really within the last, I mean, since the 1960s, but it just is ramping up. It seems like every 10 years, every five years, mm. just a whole new level. Um, you know, when I was growing up in the in the 80s, homosexuality wasn't really something that was on the radar in a right. significant way. Uh, and then, of course, in the 2000s, it just you know exploded really kind of late 90s, 2000s. And then and then now the transgender issue mm -hmm. is, is seemingly a kind of new issue. Mm -hmm. uh, and even throughout human history, transgenderism is something that is, is novel. Mm. Um, that's not something that uh, was a dominant cultural force really right. anywhere in society. So, you know, these things are being pushed through government schools and, and just, again, the, the institutionalization of masses and masses of children within school systems where they're all being taught the same kind of dogmas and the same ideologies, particularly as it relates to sexuality. And then the, the lockdown, the monopoly of Hollywood, the music industry, uh, just the, the influence on TikTok and right. uh, all the social media channels. Uh, it's just, there's this overwhelming flood uh, that's out there. I, I don't have to go into all that. The parent, every parent knows yeah. this, right? <laughs> if you're a Christian parent, you know it, you feel it. Right. Uh, you don't need told that it's out there. It's it's a bit of an avalanche. And so trying to figure out how to how to deal with that is tough. Uh, right. In my book, Raising Them Up, Parenting for Christians, I have a whole chapter in there called Techno Parenting. Yeah, I, I saw that. How mm -hmm. we can kind of set some guards up on the social media internet side. Uh, but But ultimately... Parenting is, is not just um, trying to keep bad things away from our children, right? but it is trying to create a sort of holistic approach where I, I look at it a lot like a greenhouse, you know, where we want to create an atmosphere that is conducive to spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. We want to keep the bad stuff out, but we mm -hmm. want to make sure we're pouring the good stuff in. Right. And at a certain point, you transplant those little seedlings out into a harsh, hostile environment. You just don't do it too fast. Right, so exactly. We're, we're trying to create an environment where uh, we, we can help keep these seedlings alive uh, and then help them to become strong 
so that they're able to really stand uh, on their own as adults. How do you and your family prepare your children for, you know, there's a lot of, of moms out there. I do homeschool consulting and I, I talk with them and they're just afraid. They're afraid. They're like watching the news and they're like, what are we raising our children into, you know, this culture? And, you know, of course we have to look to the Lord. And like you said, I often remind myself there's nothing new under the sun and it's always been, you know, there's always been sin and all of those things. But, you know, when you look at your, your dear little children and you know that you have to raise them to send them out into this world, what would be your best advice for preparing um, your children to navigate this kind of upside down chaotic sometimes world? Yeah, I, I think back to my own birth, um, which I don't remember a lot about, but <laughs> back to 1975 when I was born, some things had just happened. Uh, two years before that, we had the introduction of Roe v. Wade, mm. uh, which was just an absolute seismic shift mm -hmm. in American culture. You also had uh, Jimmy Carter as president. Mm -hmm. We had an energy crisis. Mm -hmm. We had just come off of the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. uh, Nixon, of course, being kicked out, you know, as president right. not long before that. Mm -hmm. People being phenomenally disillusioned, a lot of distrust with our government. Our economy was in the tank. Mm -hmm. People were sitting in gas lines waiting for fuel and it was being rationed. Mm -hmm. uh, there were just a whole bunch of things. The sexual revolution had really changed the, the scene to where, you know, uh, drug abuse was off the charts. Mm -hmm. um, you had in the introduction of new new drugs like cocaine and so forth. And it was just a, a world in which uh, pornography was really starting to become common. And people were just saying, no one should ever bring a child into mm -hmm. a world like this. Right. And then Hal Lindsey had published, I think a few years before that, his book, The Late Great Planet Earth, saying how the world was about to end and Jesus is going to come back because everything's getting so bad. And, right. and people were literally like, it's the end of the world. Mm. We shouldn't be having it. We shouldn't be getting married. We shouldn't be mm -hmm. you know, moving into the future with any kind of optimism, we should really be trying to just bide our time and sort of lock down and wait for Jesus to show up. And, and I, I get it, you know, I understand that, but I mean, I, I'm 47 years old and Jesus is still, right. you know, he's still coming back and we're grateful for that, but, right. uh, but, but it hasn't happened yet. And, so and in the meantime, we're to live, be, right? Yeah. Those people put their, their lives on hold. And I think about Babylon. Right. Where, God's people were in Babylon. And what did God tell them in Babylon? He said, go plant gardens, right? And go have children. Gardens, get married, have children. And so the things that God has instructed us to do in Genesis, right, mm -hmm. are still our marching order, yeah. even in Babylon. Yeah. Uh, we're not in Eden anymore. Right. We might be in Babylon, right. but the marching orders are still the same. And so the, the wonderful thing, if I can put it in a kind of an odd twist of perspective, is that when you live in an age that's really dark and decadent, mm -hmm. you actually have an opportunity for the light to get noticed. I and just so did a th children, uh, something about that recently. Like you can shine brighter, right? The darker right. the world is. It's Absolutely. so funny that you said that. I literally just said that. Yeah, we have this phenomenal opportunity to be noticed and to really make an impact. When you've lived in cultural Christianity in America mm -hmm. uh, during the Billy Graham era, mm -hmm. uh, well, there's just so much morality that sometimes everybody sort of seems Christian-ish. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit hard sometimes for the gospel to 
really mm-hmm. penetrate people's hearts because there's not the antithesis. There's not the either or. There's not the black and white. But we have that. We're moving into that increasingly. And so I actually am optimistic about this mm-hmm. time. I think it's a wonderful time for us to be raising children mm-hmm. because they're going to have a phenomenal impact on the world for Christ. And so we don't want to raise them uh, with a fear mentality. Um, God says he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm just going to go back to something that I know you talk about all the time. And that's, you know, like Deuteronomy six, where it talks about training our children as we walk by the way and so forth. We all know that passage, very mm-hmm. famous parenting passage, but the part that we skip over, I think is that beginning part where it says this law, which I give you this day, shall be on your heart. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the very first thing that's said, right. <laughs> you know, right. before we get into the train your children and teach them diligently, <laughs> right. uh, we have the emphasis of the law of God being on our heart. Right. And so I think if we are embracing a, a fear mentality, if we're embracing a pessimism, if we're embracing this view that, you know, we're, we've lost and that the culture is going to win, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is not the kind of message we need to be sending to our children. We're training our children not to be destroyed by this world, but to be overcomers and to mm-hmm. be warriors for Christ in the best way. And so yeah. we, we have to make sure that our, our hearts, and this is your whole message, this is why I, I really appreciate you and what you do, um, is your message is always, always, always about our mm-hmm. hearts as parents. Mm-hmm being right before the Lord, us right. being saturated in the word of God, us right. spending time alone with God every day, and then passing that on to our children. And that authenticity is something that is, it's something that's communicable. It's mm-hmm. something that, that we really can pass on. And our children are going to more receive who we are mm-hmm. than what we say. Right. And so I think we have a great opportunity in this world to truly walk by faith right, um, and get courage and optimism rather than fear and despair. I just absolutely love everything you said because it's it's not always um, often that you hear like an optimistic voice right now. Like I feel like it's always, it is a lot of doom and gloom. Like what are we going to do the culture? And to just hear that optimism, like just remember who God is, right? And remember your assignment is to live for him. And the circumstances that are swirling around us are part of his plan for you know us to make disciples and to share his light and to share the gospel and you know just like i love that what you brought up about plant gardens have children because you know a garden too it it shows that there is hope for a future and that you know this you're not just doing something in the moment you're doing something for the future and you and and that you know is our children we are planting seeds that will go on to not just affect them but whoever they come in contact to and whoever those people come in contact to i always say it took one person to tell me about jesus right one person to told me about jesus and many are impacted because i have this you know ministry now and so and my children are impacted and and then my daughter was going into ministry and she'll impact and you know it's just like the ripple effect is huge. So it's easy to get despondent when you just look at like the moment. But when you remember that God is on this big, huge timetable and and there is an optimism because we are living in that light and we do have that chance to shine bright. And so I just love that you gave such an optimistic and truthful, um, you know, view on that. And at the end of the day, what I always talk about with moms as well is 
you have to know God yourself. It's not just knowing about him, just not knowing, you know, who wrote a book about how to study the Bible and who told you how they're doing it. It's knowing him yourself and truly knowing him as creator, knowing Jesus as savior, you know, really understanding who he is, not just all this kind of like, you know, these little sound bites about God and all that. It's like this deep relationship. And so you're, I just want to touch before we end on your two books, um, The Questions God Asked and The Questions Jesus Asked, why you wrote those and how those can help, you know, parents themselves to um, to know God and to know him because that's, like you said, we're passing down this authentic relationship to our children. So can you tell us a little bit about those books? Sure. Well, John 17, 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So the most important thing that we could ever learn or aspire to in this life is knowing God. Mm -hmm. Nothing is deeper than that. Nothing is more foundational. Nothing is more profound. And yet that's something that I think we really neglect is knowing mm -hmm. God and knowing Jesus Christ. And so I was just doing my own Bible study through the Old Testament some years ago and noticed these different occasions when God was asking questions of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw it frequently. And so I started to highlight it whenever I would see it in my Bible. I'd underline it or I'd mark it in some way. And I saw God ask um, Elijah in the cave, what are you doing here? And ask Abraham, where is your wife, Sarah? Mm -hmm. and ask Balaam, who are these men with you? And on and on. And I just kept thinking, now, why would God, who is omniscient and knows all things, ask right. questions of people? Mm -hmm. He already knows the answer to that. Why is he asking the question? And so I started to just do my own Bible studies on these questions that I saw God asking in the Old Testament. And and then that became a book, uh, Questions God Asks. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote a sequel called Questions Jesus Asks, which was based on 20 questions in the New Testament that Jesus asked people, because he was really the master of asking Mm -hmm. people question. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they became topical Bible studies. Uh, between the two different books, there's 39 chapters that are on completely different theological and Bible doctrine topics. Mm -hmm. So it's a phenomenal way to really learn Bible doctrine and theology in a non-traditional way, but through a unique angle or, or study uh, on questions. Because we often have questions we ask God, right? You know, right. like why this and why, right. why did right. bad things happen to good people? And right. God is so good. Why is there evil and suffering in the world and all that kind of stuff? But I think it's it's far more important for us to think about the questions God asks us <laughs> right. than the questions we want to ask him. Exactly. And so it's a unique approach. I, I wrote them for adults, but I wrote them with the intent or the thought that hopefully families would read them together mm -hmm. as family a supplement, maybe to family Bible time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found people say that it really was just a refreshing Bible study for them. They're short chapters, somewhat devotional style, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of meat, a lot of depth in it. And they're the kind of books that I, I try to write in two different ways. Like I wanted to write it that let's say that there's a seeker or somebody who's not a Christian or maybe they're a baby Christian mm -hmm. they're walking through Walmart and they see questions God asks and they're like, wait, what's that? And they pick it up off the shelf that it might intrigue them if they're just somewhat interested in, in spirituality. But right. at the same point, I wanted to write it for people like myself who grew up in evangelical church, who have heard thousands of sermons and have have read you know hundreds of books on theology or Bible study, that there would be something new and fresh there. That it's mm -hmm. not just um, the same, same old, same old. Because I, I find it really hard to find books 
in the Christian marketplace that are just rehash. Right. Where I feel like I've really learned something here. I've, I've taken right. away something completely new. And so I wanted to, to try to have it be both ways. Right, right. Uh, so that somebody who didn't know anything about Christianity wouldn't be off put by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that somebody who had been a Christian for 40 years and maybe been a pastor and a Bible scholar would still read the books and go, wow, I've never seen mm-hmm. that before. I've never looked at it that way. And um, I, I think I've heard from enough people to know that the, at least um, to some extent I was able to pull that off. Yeah, I really appreciated the book. I was just really blown away by a lot of it. So I would encourage um, everyone out there to check out Israel's books, you know, the parenting books, the homeschooling books. Um, I know you have several books. Do you want to tell everybody just a little bit about where we can find you, the other books, um, you know, how people can listen to your podcast, things like that? Sure. I would encourage people to visit our website, which is mm-hmm. familyrenewal.org. Mm-hmm. And there's a store there where you can purchase our books. I know a lot of people, their first place to go to get books is Amazon. And mm-hmm. I get that because it's so simple. <laughs> two clicks and it's in your uh, mailbox in two days. But uh, one thing that I'll do that Amazon won't do is if you buy from our web store, I'll sign it for you. So that's an advantage uh, you can get nice. from getting from our site. But another thing is, this is our full-time ministry. It's how we support our family. And mm-hmm. so uh, if you order from Amazon and you purchase one of my books for $10, $12, uh, I make on average, I make about 65 cents <laughs> on the books that are sold on Amazon that mm-hmm. I've written. Mm-hmm. So Amazon keeps almost all the profit from books that I've written. I, I publish through a traditional publisher. And so... Um, I make very little on those books. So just keep that in mind. If you buy from our website, we make a little bit more. Um, Helps us to be able to do free parenting seminars around the country, to speak at churches. Uh, We we do all kinds of marriage events and Christian apologetics events. And all of our family renewal events are always free. We never charge the churches who host them. We never charge the families who attend. Uh, And so it's just a way that you can help fund what we do. Mm. And uh, we would also love to connect with you on social media. Uh, you can just look up Family Renewal or Israel Wayne, wherever you happen to hang out on social media. We would love to connect with you there. And we also have a podcast, and I'm really excited about hopefully having Karen on our <laughs> podcast very soon because uh, I know our listeners are going to want to learn more about her. And you can just f- look that up wherever you listen to audio uh, mm-hmm. podcasts. Just look up Family Renewal, mm-hmm. or we also have a YouTube channel. And uh, if you type in Family Renewal Podcast in YouTube, you can watch video episodes of the, the newer episodes. And so um, we encourage you to check out uh, those resources. And then if you want to know when we're speaking in your area, uh, just go to familyrenewal.org. Again, that's our website. And then forge slash subscribe. And uh, you can get on our email list. And, and then you'll always be alerted when we're doing a, a family event in your area or speaking at a church. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I would encourage you all to go check out Israel's um, website and all of his resources because, as you guys know, I will recommend very few like wholehearted people because I want to make sure that they're grounded. It's truthful. It's not just noise. You know, I'm always talking about there's a lot of noise out there, and definitely, definitely, um, Israel is one of those voices that does not 
add to the noise, but really points you to Jesus as well. So check out his resources. And again, I really appreciate your encouraging message today. As we talked about beforehand, like we didn't really know exactly where this uh, podcast would go. We kind of do it off the cuff and just have conversational style, but it's literally exactly what I think people need to hear. This optimistic message that, you know, the world is sinful. We shouldn't be surprised by that. And, you know, that we are having an opportunity to live for him, to raise our children for him, to shine in a dark world. And I love that you even said it's exciting. You know, it's an exciting time. And so um, just I hope that everybody out there takes that piece of optimism today and says, you know, these are the circumstances we are in and how do we navigate them? How do we walk through them with the Lord? We don't cower in fear. We walk forward in faith and we pass that down to our children. We pass down that um, what a true relationship with the Lord looks like. And for us, sometimes it's messy. And that's why we have to keep continuing. We never arrive. We have to keep continuing to be in the word, to know him more. And that should be our ultimate goal every day is, Lord, I want to know you more. And then we pass that on to the next generation who will pass it on until Jesus comes back, right? And so we don't know when that is, but we just keep living for him. So thank you so much, Israel, for being here today. I really, truly appreciate it. Thank you, Karen. God bless. You too.